welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Jane Heidingsfelder, Labor and Employment Attorney with Jones Walker, about current trends in OSHA inspections. This interview was recorded at the NSC Safety Congress in New Orleans last month. And now, on to the interview. Uh, I'm joined by Jane Heidingsfelder, Labor and Employment Attorney with Jones Walker. Uh, we're at NSC in New Orleans, and uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, and before we kind of get talking uh, about the issues in hand, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and Jones Walker. Sure. So I am a partner, as you said, in the labor and employment group at Jones Walker, and I've been there for about 20 years. And probably for the last 15 to 18 years, my focus has been on safety and, and health, so mostly OSHA, MSHA, CSB type of stuff. Uh, Jones Walker is a full-service law firm where I'm based here in New Orleans, and we have offices throughout the country. We're one of the top 150 largest firms in the in the country, and certainly one of the biggest in the Gulf South. Excellent. Well, what are you seeing in terms of OSHA inspection priorities this year? So I would say that, like every year, their focus is certainly complaint and accident driven. So they come out mostly for those two things. And they always will. I, mean, I think that's always going to be their number one priority. Certainly they are focusing on heat. There's no question that that has been, even when they're there for something else, they always want to talk about heat, even when it's not the hot months. And they've got that uh, federal rule. That's performance, yeah. right? So that's that may or may not process. be <laughs> may or yes. may not be coming, but yes, and so, and I see a lot of clients getting those citations even without an actual standard. Um, I certainly see a lot of multi-employer work site citations and inspections. They are looking a lot more at construction sites than, anecdotally, of course, in my experience, but is they're looking at construction sites a lot more than they have in the past. Uh, I think a lot of it, you know, here in New Orleans, we had the Hard Rock Hotel fall and several people died. And I think when that happened, there was sort of a, a new focus. And to be perfectly honest, I think part of the reason they like a construction site is because they have a whole bunch of people there a whole bunch yeah. of different subs and they can yeah. do a lot of people at once yeah, yeah. and I do it's obviously harder for them because unlike going to a plant or refinery or something where everything's the same every day at a construction site everything may change in a day right. and so you know they may be looking at egress and one day it's this way and then the next day oh, we finished that part so egress is over here today so that does limit them but I definitely see them doing that and they can hit a lot of different kind of areas yeah. right and they can get you know, 15 citations for 15 different companies in one afternoon and they I have certainly seen a good amount of that yeah. uh, and other than heat other are there some other kind of hot topics that are being Egress is one that I certainly see a good amount in the trenching and excavation, and I've had a bunch of that where OSHA will be just be driving down the interstate and pull over and say, you're not doing this right, and you know I think there's certainly been an emphasis on that. Yeah, I remember actually last year at NSC they mentioned that that was uh, a, a renewed focus. Yes, and interestingly enough, I have seen sort of a resurgence in 
their concern regarding COVID and COVID plans. I have all of a sudden for I think two years or so, they didn't ask about a COVID plan and all of a sudden across the country, I mean in different, because my practice is all over the country and in different state plan states and Fed OSHA, they're asking for COVID plans again. Just because obviously it is resurging. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I, it's just, it's very interesting yeah. to me that that is. But all of a sudden they're kind of on it. Yes. I don't really, not totally sure why, but mm-hmm. they are. Um, so speaking of COVID, how did the pandemic affect safety rules and regs from your standpoint? Certainly during the time of COVID, they looked at, you know, how close are people working. I think they've calmed down on that, but I do think they are looking to make sure that you have some type of infectious disease plan in place. The thing that I have noticed, not necessarily from a compliance standpoint, but after that, you know, when you're talking about going to informal conferences and all that, they are a lot less likely to be in person. You know, like here in Louisiana, they still don't do in-person informals. And in a lot of other states, you have to request and it's kind of a big deal to be able to go sit down face-to-face, which is certainly what I prefer. But that is um, that is a difference that I see. Yeah, and I guess you know they had a couple of years to kind of get it down right of remotely doing that. So. And it takes a whole lot less time. Yeah. yeah. You know, certainly for for me and my clients, but I see a big benefit in actually sitting there. Right. I mean, we all know when you're on Zoom, you're half paying attention right, or, yeah, yeah. You or at least get a screen over here. Right. Over Emails coming in and stuff like that. But when you're there. You're totally focused. They're totally focused. So I prefer the um, When do you typically become involved with cases that involve OSHA and MSHA inspections? Like when do you get called in? All across the board. Okay. So, I mean, I have some clients that I work with them on, you know, compliance before OSHA or MSHA ever shows up before they have an incident, things like that. And then I have some where as soon as those agencies show up, then they call me, which is, those two are certainly preferred. Um, and then there are a lot where they get a citation and then we get we get the help. Right, <laughs> exactly. And you know, usually, obviously, you can make it work then, but it is just, there are just a lot of simple things that I find, and just even like producing documents. You know, we're lawyers, so we do it a certain way. We, you know, number all of our documents we keep track of everything that's given we have a rapport with OSHA and sometimes when you come in later I'll ask you know what what documents have you given OSHA and the clients will say well I don't know you know and if we can be there at the beginning and then we can review documents and we can also make sure that they remain confidential and things right like that. Yeah. don't give up more than they need to exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are people getting a little more savvy when it comes to dealing with OSHA or is it still, I mean, I guess you just have so many companies out there that maybe have had no experience with them, so they just don't know what to do. Yes, again, across the board, but I would say most companies, MSHA's a little bit different, right, because they come either two or four times a year, depending if you're above or below ground, but with OSHA, I mean, you can go your whole career and never have an OSHA inspection and then you have an incident. Because usually it's because they get, they get a call from yes. somebody or, something, yes. or they see something in the news and they're like, hey, better go That's correct. That. You, and it's usually those, you know, reportable incidents, right? Yeah. Your 
fatalities, hospitalizations, amputations that they come out for. Um, so when you work with clients on safety and health policies and procedures, what do you recommend that they include? Like, how do they approach it? So. I first of all recommend that they not just get a sample policy online because I think the worst thing that comes of that is that you often say you're going to do things that you're not really going to do and that you're maybe not obligated to do but once you put it in there, OSHA expects you to do it. Um, I think it's very important, as we talked about before, you've got to have a heat stress policy. There's a, a big focus on workplace violence. I think it's very important to have a cell phone policy and probably most importantly a complaint procedure so that employees know how to complain if they have safety concerns and anti-retaliation. And then again also very importantly is a progressive discipline policy so that they can you know, know that, that we are enforcing our safety policies. and. And then all your other stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. All the stuff you know you have to have, um, forklifts, and you know, and whatever all the lockout, tagout, going trooper, of course. And but again, I always, I think people when they send a lawyer their programs, they think we're going to add a whole bunch of stuff. I usually take out, you know. And the main question I ask is, are you actually doing this? Because let's not let's not right. promise these things if you're not actually yeah, doing it. Because that's where they get you. Is, yeah. Exactly. You gotta be following your policies. Right, and it's things, and they you see them all the time. Like they'll say things like, "We're going to you know, have this inspection once a week." Well, there's no there's no requirement to do that, right? But when you say that, then OSHA says, "All right, I want to see your last 52." <laughs> Are you surprised at what you see when you can you know first meet with a client? You, you, you're surprised that you know there's too much or there's too little or unrelated stuff? Yes, a lot of times I am. Going both ways. Sometimes less sophisticated or smaller clients, they have a really good and robust safety program and that and then sometimes I go to very sophisticated clients, big clients with lots of employees and I'm blown away with how little that they have. You think that just you know I guess it, it's sort of what what they're used to, right? They're just they've just always done it that way, and then all of a sudden they find out that's not how they should be doing. It. Absolutely, and a lot of it is old companies, you know, companies that have been around for a long time. Sort of culturally, it's more laid back. I know it's a family company that's right. maybe grown, and then and oh, but nobody's been hurt. You know, we've been doing right. it this way for a hundred years, it's and nobody's been us. hurt exactly. Yeah. Till it doesn't exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then trying to change that culture is very difficult to do. Yeah, like how do you kind of, like what do you say to companies like that when you're trying to change that culture? Like what, how do you kind of convince them to, to figure it out and get well, with the times? the benefit that I have is usually when I'm coming in, they've had an incident, so they're more interested in what I have to say, yeah. right? And they're often more willing to throw money at it at that particular time, but it's hard. And you have because you have to get buy-in from up all the way down. Um, yeah, and is it you know if you have a, a leadership group that isn't cooperative, like I mean, obviously they brought you in, so they at least are open to that. But I mean, have you had to kind of fight sort of that resistance from from leadership? For sure. Yeah. And at different at different levels. I mean, and for different things. Mm -hmm. 
But again, usually I'm coming in after an incident and they recognize that something needs to happen. And like you said, I mean, if they're hiring me, they care enough. Um, but yes, you certainly, and to be perfectly honest, where you usually see resistance is not at the upper corporate level. It's often the workers who, who say, are, who are set in their ways or, who yeah. say, I've done it forever this way. And, you know, these new people are coming in trying to tell me to do something different. Is there, are you, do you see uh, generational differences where you've got folks who've maybe been there for 20, 30 years who are set in their ways, and then you've got sort of younger, you know, newer workers who maybe are more concerned about, you know, going home with all their fingers and toes? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and they don't have the experience, so they don't know that, that it can be done safely and that it is not inherently unsafe. But yes, I think the newer generation are, are definitely more, which is a good thing. I, mean, yeah. I don't, I think, you know, it's funny, I always say I'm against OSHA in every case, but we all have the same goal, right? Mm -hmm. Which is to have safe workplaces. Right. And so I think the young people that are more in tune to that is good for businesses. Yeah, I mean, I've heard definitely like um, some concern about, uh, you know, younger workers, you know, not sticking around at companies for too long, so it's, it's expensive to train them, and then they kind of, you know, they get all trained up, and then they decide, mm -hmm. oh, there's a better job, you know, over here. And, Absolutely. And so that's a struggle, you know, for some companies to kind of, you know, how do you kind of keep that, uh, that knowledge base, you know, for long periods of time, like, because people don't stay at jobs for 15, 20 years anymore. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, you know, OSHA does have, they're very big in temporary and short-term workers, right? Because the people who are most often injured are the new employees, right? The ones that have just come on and, and are, a lot of times they're being trained. And, I, you know, I think sometimes you have programs where you're working together trying trying to have a mentor, you know, short-term service employees where they have the sticker on their hand making sure that they're they're taken care of, but I mean that's a that's a nationwide HR issue <laughs> that, yeah. that yeah. people are dealing with and and you're absolutely right because it's expensive. You know, you take all of this time, you put programs in place to train these people and then they leave. And to be perfectly honest, OSHA has the same problem. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're having a whole lot of turnover right. because they right. get people in, they train them, and then they say, well, I can make more money in the private sector. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even thought of that. Um, have you seen a lot uh, a lot of concern about, you know, the increase in remote work? I mean, obviously, you know, it became pretty commonplace during the pandemic, and a lot of companies, you know, depending on the industry, certainly construction you're a person you got to do that stuff in person but you know from uh, a remote standpoint where it's harder to kind of you know maintain that sort of you know safety culture and making sure that people are following what they should be doing when they're at a remote location or they're working from home like how you know have you dealt, dealt with any of that kind of stuff sure now most like you said I mean most of the clients that we deal with are plant, refinery, construction, so, they're, so the they're people there. are yeah. there. But I do think that when there are people who can work from home, there can be a big disconnect because they're not there, they're not seeing what's going on every day and how things are working. And then I can say I have also done a whole lot of work from home policies too because that's a big concern 
on a number of different levels, but including safety and how does that work and, you know, is OSHA going to get involved out in California? There was a movement for them to I mean, even do in-home inspections. And no, <laughs> again, it was a movement, but, <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of concerns when it comes to that and recordability of incidents even when people are working at home. So, so what would you recommend for those kinds of policies? terms of keeping an eye on mostly communication right and ergonomics is a big would be sort of the number one thing and so it's a lot of communication and and maybe even training of of employees like hey when you work at home make sure your chair is upright and make sure you get up and walk around every few minutes I mean just things like that that you include but otherwise it's really very specific to the employer I wanted to ask you, uh, where do you see safety enforcement heading in 2024? So truly, much of the same, I would say, you know, when Trump came into office, I got a whole lot of what's going to happen, you know, is everything going to change, is he going to deregulate everything, and nothing happened. No no major change happened um, from Obama to Trump, and, and even really Trump to Biden. I mean, I certainly see the difference in a Democrat and a Republican, sure. which you always see, but nothing nothing drastic. I certainly think they will maintain their focus on heat. Uh, workplace violence, I, I know is a big thing right now. You know, they have the, the proposed standard with in hospitals. California has just come out with a proposed standard, and, and so I think that's definitely going to be coming. They have an emphasis program on falls, and that we all know that's which has always been a problem. Exactly, yeah. and so, but I think just your standard top ten list of injuries and, and what causes injuries, and and again the whole focus being injuries and complaints, and then of course eleven C retaliation. I mean that's always uh, you know near and dear to OSHA's heart. Yeah, because I mean obviously. You know, if your workers are afraid to report near misses or incidents, then you know that's going to be an ongoing problem for you. And obviously, we've seen that in the past. For sure. And you know, you asked about pushback, and I can say one of the areas where I get the most pushback from clients is when I try to tell them that they shouldn't have their bonus program structured based on uh, recordable rates, <laughs> and that is and. OSHA very much frowns upon that. They've seen that as having a chilling... Um, right, yeah, like if you're like, you know, we want zero events, make that happen. But it's not even if it's when you're, it's when it's recordable, right? right? Because right. they think then, like you said, people aren't are going to be afraid to report any Or they're trying to yes. get that bonus and yes. they're like, all right, well, this didn't happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, Jim, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. Have a great uh, conference. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. That wraps up episode 184 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.